Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Wretchedandratchetgmail.com. Ratchet Ratchet Book Club is where you can find us out on Twitter. Uh, Leave a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Um, Yeah, that's about it. So... Breeze is now putting her rescue in the hands of another person uh, who needs to be saving her. And I haven't even looked at the next chapter. Like, for those of y'all who are new to this, my rule is I don't go ahead in the book. So then everything is new for me as well as you. Uh, That way I don't have to fake any emotions or anything that happens. But I do guess a lot. And I'm guessing that the next chapter is going to be back to Mia Moore because this is the tale of the murder mamas. And they've established where we are with everybody in the real world right now, with the exception of fucking Mia, who is somewhere bleeding out. I really want to figure out what's going to happen when um, Carter sees that Mia's all cut up and she's like, Mecca literally poured bleach in my eyes. Anyhow. Chapter 7. Oops, I was wrong. Hold on one second. Breeze! Zaire screamed into the phone as he strained to hear the conversation on the other end of the line. He could barely hear what was going on, but he knew that it was her. He felt it in his gut. She had only said his name, but she was the only person who had the ability to say it so sweetly. Breeze, pick up the phone, he yelled. Tears came to his eyes when the call was disconnected. His heart was beating so rapidly that he had to pull the car over. He hit his steering wheel in frustration. She had called him. He didn't know where she was or why it had taken her so long to reach out to him. But she was alive, and he had to find her. He picked up the phone. Oh my God, why are we doing this again? He picked up the phone and speed dialed Young Carter. Why the fuck is he calling him Young Carter? He's the only Carter he knows. Zai, how that money looking out in? Carter started to speak, but Zaire interrupted him. She's alive, fam. Breeze is alive, man. Zaire stated, getting choked up. After months of her death haunting him, his faith was restored. Breeze had been the only chick who had been able to steal Zaire's focus away from his hustle. He had nightmares about her death every night. He felt responsible for what had happened to her. But now, he was sure that she was out there somewhere. 
and out of all the people she could have called, she chose him. His statement took Carter by surprise. Zaire, fam, breezes, Carter, she called me. She called my fucking phone. She's alive. I'm on my way to you. He screamed urgently. I'm not at home. I'm leaving my barber now. We don't need to meet at the house. Feds are crawling all over the place. Meet me at Mecca's money house. I'll give him a call, Carter answered. Zaire's stomach was hollow as he raced towards Liberty City where Mecca stashed the drugs and money that he distributed and collected from the Lib City hustlers. He beat both Mecca and Carter there. He scoped the entire block, removed the money he was transporting, and with the duffel bag in one hand and his pistol in the other, he entered the home. He quickly opened the safe and stuffed the money inside. Carter's rule was to count the cash before putting it away. But Zaire's head was all over the place. He didn't give a fuck about anything or anyone but Breeze. He paced the living room floor, trying to play back the pieces of conversation he had heard on the phone. Where is she? He mumbled to himself. Think, what did you hear? He said over and over. Zaire was driving himself crazy. He was so deep in thought that he didn't even hear Carter come in. Mecca walked in directly behind Carter and they watched as Zaire talked to himself. Carter noticed the worried look on Zaire's face. He had seen Zaire sell crack to his own mother and not bat an eye. He knew this little nigga through and through. The look of concern that Zaire held was the same one that Carter felt inside for Mia Moore. It was then that he knew that Zaire's love for Breeze ran deeper than anyone knew. Okay, so... This nigga sold crack to his own mama, huh? He he literally saw him do it. Okay. Family. Hmm. Zaire, Carter called out, startling him. Fuck is up with you, fam? Mecca asked. Breeze. She's still alive, Zaire stated. A look of anger flickered in Mecca's eyes, and he pointed his finger sternly towards Zaire. Don't speak her name, nigga. You didn't even know her like that. After eight months, you talking about she alive, Mecca said, becoming emotional over his baby girl. Fuck you, bitch-ass nigga, Zaire yelled back. He didn't give a fuck. He knew Mecca was a killer, but Zaire had been taught to only fear a nigga who didn't bleed. I just told you your sister's alive. Whether you want to believe it or not, she's out there, and I'm going to find her. Mecca's hands automatically rested on his waistline for easy access to his burner. But he had to remember that Zaire was family now. That fact alone kept Zaire breathing after disrespecting Mecca. But he was skeptical, and his doubt showed on his face. She'd been gone eight months, Mecca stated sadly. She called me, Zaire yelled. She called you, Mecca answered. How the fuck you know it ain't one of those lurking ass motherfuckers trying to throw you off and set you up? Huh? Why the fuck would she call you? Carter watched the exchange back and forth as he attempted to figure out where Zaire's logic was coming from. Zaire had never given him a reason to doubt him before. And he was slowly beginning to recall all the time that Zaire and Breeze had spent together. It wasn't nobody else. I know her voice, motherfucker. She called me. She was crying and she said my name. I'm her man and she needs me. 
I have to find her and I'll murk any nigga who tried to stop me, Zaire said through clenched teeth as he looked Mecca directly in the eyes. Zaire was an emotional wreck. Breeze was still alive. He would put his life on it and he was willing to go against a thousand armies to get her back. She had been out there alone and vulnerable for eight months while the cartel had buried her and moved on. Seeing Zaire's conviction brought tears to Mecca's eyes, which he quickly brushed away as he felt his anger rise. He wanted to shoot Zaire's ass in the foot for fucking around with his little sister in the first place, but he was glad that she had chosen a nigga who was built right, one who was willing to go to the ends of the earth because of a phone call. Breeze had chosen a little nigga who Mecca thought their father would have approved of. Mecca nodded his head and looked at Carter, who sat there calmly, grinding his jaw, a clear indication he was angry. We buried her. We counted her out and she's been out there all this time, Zaire said. What did you hear? Carter asked. It was muffled, but it sounded like she was talking to a doctor, Zaire replied. Check the hospitals. Every hospital in the state if you have to, Carter instructed Zaire. Mecca, you too, but stay out of Florida. Estes is still on your ass. He's lying low, but that don't mean he's gone. You check hospitals in Georgia and Alabama, and even go as far as Mississippi if nothing shakes. If she's out there, we won't stop till we bring her home. If anyone hears anything, let me be the first to know. Mecca left in search of his baby sister. It had been a long time since he'd prayed, but for this, he closed his eyes and asked God for help. When he was gone, Carter turned to Zaire. Why did she call you? Carter asked. He already knew the answer, but he wanted to see if Zaire would keep it 100 with him. Zaire rubbed the top of his head, his eyebrows raised in distress. I was fucking with her, fam. Zaire admitted. Carter stood sternly. And the day she was taken? Carter asked. She was with me, Zaire admitted. Carter nodded his head. Zaire could see the fire blazing in his demeanor, but out of respect, he held his tongue. Carter began to walk out of the house and stopped at the doorway. Find her, he said simply, then left Zaire to his thoughts. Zaire searched high and low, visiting hospitals, spending every minute of his day looking for Breeze. He doubted that she was still in the city. He couldn't imagine her being so close for this long without word getting back to the cartel. He started in the surrounding cities. From Palm Beach to Tampa to Orlando and Fort Lauderdale, he drove for hours, fighting fatigue on a desperate mission to find her. He had a list of over 100 hospitals in Florida. He called some to see if they had any patients that fit Breeze's description. If there was even a possibility that a patient could be her, then Zaire hit the highway. After 10 hours of disappointments, he had exhausted every hospital on the list, except for the local Miami institutions. He decided to visit Baptist Hospital first. He gonna see me and more. A tight knot filled his stomach as he whipped his Lexus through the city streets. He was tired, but he couldn't call it a night. He didn't have time to sleep. The thought of Bree suffering somewhere wouldn't allow him to stop his hunt. He had heard the fear in her voice. Wherever she was, she was in danger, and she was defenseless. Every time he closed his eyes, he imagined the terror that she may be going through. 
Little did he know, he couldn't fathom what she was being forced to endure. Her fate was worse than death. Her torture was unimaginable. Zaire pulled into the emergency room parking lot and jumped out. He walked into the hospital. Doubt and apprehension ate away at him as he approached the nurse's station. Can I help you, sir? A young black girl asked without looking up from the paperwork in front of her. I'm looking for a girl who may have been treated here. Her name is Breeze Diamond, Zaire stated. At the mention of the last name Diamond, the girl looked up. Her eyes scanned Zaire from head to toe. She instantly knew he was a part of the cartel. Everything about Zaire screamed power, and his swagger made her wet instantly. Are you fucking serious? The young nurse had never had the pleasure of being this close to one of the cartel's members. She had only heard about their prestige because their reputation rang loudly in every hood in Florida. The last name Diamond was associated with money in the city of Miami. But it was an exclusive club, and not everyone had access to him. Today must be my lucky day, she thought as she ogled him from head to toe. She put the tip of a pen in her mouth seductively, obviously vying for her attention. Seriously? There's more than, you know what, fuck it. Zaire's patience was non-existent at this point. He was immune to her flirtation. Look, bitch, I don't got time for all that extra shit. Type in the name and see if she's here, he said cruelly without ever raising his voice. An embarrassed expression appeared on the girl's face as she turned towards the computer. Breeze Diamond, the girl repeated as she typed the name. She shook her head. She wasn't treated here. There's no record of a diamond being admitted. Zaire massaged his jawline and hit the desk in frustration, causing the girl to jump. His red eyes were filled with worry. Look, I need to find her. She's young, light-skinned, long curly hair. She has a small mole on the side of her neck and a scar on her collarbone. She may not be here under her name. I just need you to check to see if there's anyone here to fit her description. Please, Zaire said desperately. It's important. The nurse could sense his agony and nodded her head. Okay, you can have a seat. I'll check. Zaire sat down with his head in his hands. Minutes passed, but it felt like time was frozen still. Sir, the nurse called to him. He rushed over to the desk. We have a Jane Doe here. She came in a few months ago with no ID, and no one's been here to claim her yet. You could take a look to see if it's who you're looking for, the nurse stated with sympathy. Thank you, Ma, Zaire stated as he followed her to the elevator and down a long hallway. Zaire breathed deeply. Please let this be her, he said in his mind. The nurse stopped in front of a room. I just want to warn you, she's in pretty bad shape. There are injuries to her face and body, the nurse warned. Zaire wiped his nose and nodded his head to prepare for what he was about to see. The nurse opened the door. The room was dark, and the sound of machines beeping was all that he heard. He stepped closer to the bed, and when the lights turned on, he gasped in shock. Is this her? the nurse asked. Zaire was at a loss for words as he stared at the woman before him. She was barely recognizable. 
She looked as if she was hanging on to her life by a thread. He shook his head and backpedaled out of the room. No, it's not her, he said. He rushed out of the hospital and immediately dialed Carter's number. It was two o'clock in the morning, but it was a phone call that couldn't wait. Hello? Carter answered groggily. Fam, it's me, Zaire said. Did you find her? Carter asked. Carter, I found your girl. I found Mia Moore. Carter entered the hospital with an entourage of 20 men behind him. Members of the cartel guarded all entrance and exit points to the building, shutting it down. No one was allowed to enter or exit the premises. Zaire and a select few of Carter's most efficient workers followed him up to the fifth floor, where Mia Moore was located. The same nurse who had assisted Zaire jumped up from her post when she saw the men enter the building. Excuse me, it's past visiting hours. There's too many of you. You all can't just roam through the hospital, she protested. Carter brushed past her, not even acknowledging her. Zaire put his fingers to his lips and told her, sit back down and do your job. He slipped her a stack of money and kept his stride along. Young Carter. Text Mecca and tell him to get here quickly, Carter ordered. His Maury alligators echoed against the tile floor. His black Armani sweater, white collar shirt, and black tie gave him a distinguished look. As he stepped onto the elevator, he was silent, eerily silent. And Zaire knew that once Carter saw Mia Moore's condition, the entire city of Miami would rain bullets. Zaire hadn't prepared Carter for what he was about to see. He did not want to be the messenger that delivered the bad news. He thought it would be best if Carter saw it for himself. He led Carter to Mia Moore's room and stopped at the door. The five men who had come up with them dispersed themselves throughout the fifth floor. Zaire posted up outside of the door. I think you need to go in alone, fam, Zaire said. Carter entered the room. The smell of death lingered in the air. He walked over to the bed and flipped on the lamp that sat on the stand beside it. When he saw her face, the strong visage he had put on crumbled, and he lowered his head to his chest and squeezed her bed rails in agony. It felt as if someone had knocked the air out of his lungs, and he balled his fist and bit his knuckles to stop his dam of emotions from giving way. He stared down at his lady, the woman he loved. Her face was black and blue. Her left eye seemed caved in, and her skin was puffy and swollen with infection. There were parts of her body that were cut deeply, and medical stitches were everywhere. Carter took in every laceration, every cut, every imperfection, and absorbed the pain as his own. He instantly felt guilty, because he could only assume that whoever had done this to her had done so to get to him. How did I let this happen? He asked himself. He grabbed her hand and noticed how ice cold she was. Her lips were dry and cracked, and her hair was breaking off onto the pillow. She's been here for three months. I left her here alone, fighting for her life, Carter thought sadly. He wanted to climb into the bed beside her, but he was afraid that he would hurt her. She looked so fragile, and the many machines and tubes connected to her body prevented him from getting that close. He pulled a chair near her bedside and sat down. 
I'm here, Miyamura, he whispered. I'm right here with you, Ma. He brought her hand up and kissed it over and over again as he closed his eyes in defeat. I'm going to murder the niggas that did this to you. Don't worry about it, Ma. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of everything. Mecca pulled up recklessly to the hospital doors. When he had gotten the text to come straight to Baptist Hospital, a wave of relief washed over him. He, too, had been searching all day and night for Breeze. They found her, he thought gratefully. He couldn't wait to see her face. He promised himself that now that he had her back, he would never allow anything to happen to her ever again. He left his car at the entrance, causing the security guard to approach him. Sir, you need to move your car. You can't park it here. Mecca noticed some members of the cartel standing near the entrance and tossed them his keys. Take care of it, he instructed as he rushed inside. When Mecca stepped off the elevator, he saw Zaire pacing back and forth. He rushed towards him. Where is she? Mecca asked. Zaire nodded his head towards the room door and said, Carter's inside with her now. But Mecca, it's not. Before Zaire could finish the sentence, Mecca rushed inside the room. Breeze! He yelled as he rushed over to Carter. Carter stood suddenly. He thinks it's Breeze, he thought as he stood and pushed Mecca backwards. Mecca, wait. It's not her. It's not Breeze. Mecca pushed past Carter and stopped dead in his tracks when he saw Mia Moore lying in the bed. Hate filled his heart when he realized who it was and that his attempts to kill her had failed. This dirty-ass bitch, he yelled as he lunged for the bed. Psh, nigga, come on now. That is not the best idea. Not the plan. In front of Carter, who just saw her for the first time and is wondering who did this to her and you coming in yelling all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Seeing Mecca's rage towards Mia Moore sent Carter over the edge. Brother against brother, Carter grabbed Mecca by his neck and slammed him against the wall. Mecca struggled against Carter. But the forearm that was pressed against his throat had him off balance, giving Carter the upper hand. Carter put his finger in Mecca's face. Fuck is wrong with you, fam? He seethed, his eyes deadly as he hemmed Mecca up. Mecca pushed Carter off him, breathing hard from anger. I thought she was Breeze! Mecca yelled as he punched a hole through a hospital wall. Fuck! He screamed as he glared at me and more and shook his hand in pain. The only thing standing between him bringing her to death that she deserved was his brother, Carter. You in here worried about this bitch, and my sister's out there somewhere. Their confrontation was interrupted when a man entered the room, wearing a lab coat and carrying a chart. Gentlemen, I'm Dr. Shaw, the white man introduced. We've been waiting for someone to claim this young woman. You are? Mecca glared at me and more with a hatred that Carter had never seen. Carter contained himself and approached Mecca. He could understand how me and more had taken Mecca by surprise, but he did not appreciate the disrespect. He took a deep breath and walked up on him, then whispered in his ear, Now isn't the time or place for this. Now I don't know what the fuck you got against her, but whatever it is, you settle that shit. Now that I found her, she's going to be around, so get used to it. If you ever come out your mouth again about her, I'm going to handle you, my nigga. Believe that. Now you need to go for a walk. Use all that energy you got and use it to find Breeze. 
and put the word out to find the niggas that's responsible for doing this to me and more. Under normal conditions, Carter would never threaten his brother. But seeing the larceny and Mecca towards Mia Moore had forced him into a protective rage over his woman. Mecca stormed out of her room, startling Zaire. I'ma murder that bitch, he heard Mecca mumble as he passed by. Zaire looked back in the room to see what had gone down, but Carter closed the door, then turned to focus his attention on the doctor. He took a deep breath to calm himself before he spoke. I apologize for my brother's behavior, Dr. Shaw. I'm Carter Jones, he said as he extended his hand. How do you know the patient? The doctor inquired. She's my fiance, Carter explained. Can you tell me how this happened? How is she? The doctor sighed and checked Mia Moore's vitals as he began to explain her condition. No one knows exactly what happened to her, Mr. Jones. She was found like this outside of an abandoned house. She's in a coma. She has severe head trauma and she's had numerous blood transfusions. She has three broken ribs and her jawbone is shattered. If she ever wakes up, she may want to consider reconstructive surgery to correct the jaw. She also has chemical poisoning. There were high levels of toxins found in her blood. Whoever did this to her never intended for her to survive. She's strong. I've never seen anyone hold on for this long after everything she's been through. Carter found the news extremely hard to hear, and his stomach was in knots as he stared at me and more. Will she ever wake up? The doctor sighed. That, I cannot answer for you. The good news is, we ran a CT scan on her, which revealed high levels of brain activity. She's thinking, and still has the capacity to function mentally. She may even be able to hear you, but for some reason right now she can't come into a conscious state. Only time will tell reason why she can't come out of her conscious state is because she's telling her story of the murder mamas inside of her head. Carter found the news extremely hard to bear. He put his hand on his head, rubbing the waves on his freshly cut Caesar, and took a deep breath. The machines, he asked, his voice cracking from emotion. He cleared his throat and continued, <clears throat> Why is she hooked up to so many machines? One of her lungs isn't functioning properly. We have her on a ventilator to ensure that she's getting enough oxygen. Once the lung heals and kicks back in, she should be able to breathe on her own. Until then, I'll do all that I can to make her comfortable, the doctor said with sympathy. Carter shook his head. Thank you, Dr. Shaw, but I'm taking her home where I know she'll be safe. The fuck? He literally just said one of her lungs collapsed and she's on machine. Did you not hear what he told you about everything? Everything that she has going, everything that she has going on. Carter walked out of the room to where Zaire was standing in the hallway with the briefcase in his hands. Carter took the case and popped it open. Inside, one hundred thousand dollars lay in neat bundles. I'm sure that this will take care of any resources that your hospital has used to treat her. Despite the doctor's protests. Carter took Mia Moore back to the Diamond Estate. He had a room set up for where all of her medical needs would be met. He sat down next to Mia Moore's bed. The night had been long, and the sunrise crept over the horizon and illuminated the room as he gripped her hand. His emotions running wild. A 9mm sat in his lap. The hum of the medical machines was torture to his ears. 
First breeze, now this, Carter thought, overwhelmed. He hadn't found peace since he had come to Miami. He didn't know how his father had ever handled the massive empire that he built with such ease. Carter felt like everything and everyone he loved was slipping through his fingers. Maybe this is why my father walked away from my mother, so that he wouldn't have to watch her suffer at the hands of the game. No, your father left for college and she completely just, like, abandoned him. Other way around, homie. I should have followed my first mind and kept me and more at a distance. If I had walked away from her, this would have never happened, he thought miserably. His father's logic made much more sense to him now as he watched Mia Moore fight for her life. He lowered his head and rested his face in the palm of his hands. He picked up his cell and dialed Mecca's number. He needed his brother. He couldn't handle all the chaos alone, and he wasn't trying to lose the only family he had left. Carter didn't know that in order to keep Mia Moore, he was going to have to let Mecca go. He would eventually have to choose one or the other because there was no way that Mecca and Mia Moore could ever coexist. Mecca sent Carter to voicemail as he pushed his Lamborghini through the streets. His foot was like lead on the gas pedal. There was only one thing on his mind, murder. He called Fabian repeatedly, but never got an answer. Bitch-ass nigga couldn't handle one fucking job. Killed a bitch. That's all I asked him to do, he thought. Nigga, why'd you leave? Why'd you walk out the door? You could have stayed right there and been like, all right, dude, it's your turn. I'm going to stand right here. Like, 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 like a father watching his child take their first swings at baseball. You kind of stand right there with them to make sure that they connect a few times before you just dip out. Why'd you leave? You know the nigga ain't got no heart. He ain't got no balls for this game. Literally, they cut his dick off. But why'd you leave? Stay there until she's dead if you hate her enough. Why'd you go? This is on you. This is all on Mecca. And Polo. His luxury whip left rubber on the ground beneath him as he made his way to his destination. He pulled up to an apartment community and slammed his door furiously as he made his way inside. Too impatient to wait for the elevator, he stormed up the stairway all the way to the seventh floor. He found apartment 7B. Why the fuck would Fabian tell him where he lived? I wouldn't never tell this nigga where I lived at. Like, there's no good that's going to come of that. Fabian opened the door, keeping the security chain in place. But when he saw Mecca's face, he tried to close it quickly. Isn't there a fucking peephole? Mecca pushed his way into the apartment, causing the door to hit Fabian in the face. Ow, shit! Fabian grimaced as he held his nose and backed up into the apartment. Mecca! What's good, homeboy? Fuck is all this for? Fabian stuttered nervously as blood leaked from his busted nose. Mecca didn't say a word. He removed his thirty-eight and then began to screw the silencer on as his eyes burned a hole through Fabian, daring him to move. Mecca, man, please, man! Fabian begged. Mecca aimed his pistol at Fabian's head and fired two shots. The only sound that could be heard was Fabian's body hitting the floor. And just as quickly as Mecca had come, he left. He had no regrets and no remorse. All he wanted was revenge. He knew that talking to Carter was useless. Mia Moore had him blinded, and Mecca had Mia Moore blinded for what it's worth.
Carter placed Mia Moore on a pedestal so high that he refused to see the truth. But Mecca was determined to get to her. As soon as the nigga turned his back, I'm a murderous bitch. Dr. Natalia Azor walked into her practice and sighed. She knew that today would be a long and dreadful day. She hadn't gotten much sleep last night, thinking about the young girl she had treated the day before. She knew for a fact that Mati was not the girl's father, but she wanted to stay out of it. She wanted no part of whatever was going on. To get into the business of a man as ruthless as Mati could put her in a bad position. She could easily come up missing if she chose to intervene. She tried her best to ignore the situation, but then she thought of her own beautiful children. If they were in trouble, I would not want another mother to turn a blind eye to them, she thought with indecision. I'm not sure, because when I think in my head, my voice, my voice sounds like my voice, I guess. So, but when she thinks in her head, would she think with an accent? Would she? Like, in her head, she doesn't have an accent. Like, to her, she doesn't have an accent. Y'all have an accent. People on the East Coast think I have an accent. I think they have an accent. They don't think they have an accent when they hear their voice in their head, right? That's weird. I don't know. I I guess I should find a Haitian person and ask them, when you think in your head, when you think to yourself, do you hear an accent? That's a stupid fucking question. But I have to know now. I'm curious. Dr. Azor had gotten the message that Breeze had written her. But fear had stopped her from making the call on the girl's behalf. She had tried to put the note in the back of her mind and remain professional. But all night she tossed and turned, thinking of the look of terror she had witnessed in Breeze's eyes. She looked at the clock. She still had an hour before her office opened. She put her things down and walked over to the file cabinet where she kept her patient's files. She flipped through them until she retrieved what she was looking for. Breeze Diamond, she whispered aloud. Her mind told her to put the file away and go about her day. But the motherly instinct in her forced her to find Breeze's note. She took a deep breath and picked up the phone, but quickly changed her mind and slammed it back down. Her foot tapped nervously against the ground as she contemplated on what to do. She read the note again. Please help me. Call this number, 1-810-625-1816. Tell him I'm alive. I'm trapped somewhere in the mountains. Please. Also, as we know, you'll likely have to leave a voicemail because it's going to be a busy signal when you dial it the first time. I know that for a fact. One phone call will not hurt, she said. She picked up the phone and slowly dialed the number, silently hoping that no one would answer. Hello? Please listen carefully. A girl by the name of Breeze was treated in me doctor's office yesterday. She asked me to call this number. She's in danger. She's in Haiti. Mati has her trapped in the mountains, Dr. Azor said. Who is this? Zaire shouted as he sat straight up in his bed, but all he got in response was a dial tone. He immediately threw on some jeans and his kicks and grabbed his keys. Haiti, he thought in despair. What the fuck? Mati? Zaire knew that if what the caller had said was true, then Breeze was in much more danger than anyone could have ever imagined. And he had to get to her before it was too late.
Chapter 8 Breeze began to feel better, and Matilda allowed her to roam free in the secluded basement without being bound to the bed. It had been a week since she was at the hospital, and she couldn't stop thinking about Zaire's voice. She knew that she had blown the only chance she had to be saved. She paced the room back and forth as she tried to think of a way out of the clutch of the Mati, but she was beginning to realize that she would never escape. He was in complete control and had become obsessed with her. She broke down into tears as she began to accept her reality. I would rather die, she whispered as she felt like giving up on life. She was a diamond, and she took pride in that name. She would rather die on her feet than live on her knees. Actually, what it says is she would rather die on her feet rather than live on her knees. So, I paraphrased. You're welcome. She, at that moment, gave up on life. The sound of the door unlocking startled her, and she stared at the steps until she saw the feet of Mattia emerging. He walked down, smiling as if he was a husband coming home to his wife. I hate you, Breeze whispered as she backed into a corner, watching him walking towards her. She saw the look in his eyes, and already knew what his intentions were. He came down there for sex. No, Mattia, don't do this, she begged as she held her hands out in front of her. Relax, beautiful gal, Matisse said as he licked his lips and thought about how good it felt to be inside of Breeze's. Fucking, what the fuck? Like, of all the... Of all the ways you can talk about a vagina, there's a lot of different ways. I know a lot of them. And you can always just use pussy. You could. You could. Vagina. Pussy. Cunt. I don't like cunt either, but I really hate this one. How good it felt, McTee said as he licked his lips and thought about how good it felt to be inside of Breeze's tight wound. I've never even heard that one before and I already hate it. It just, that's horrible. That's awful. He had broken her virginity months ago, but every time felt like the first time to him. Breeze learned that fighting back only made it worse for her, so she reluctantly got up and walked towards the bed. Mati followed closely behind her and began to rub her behind. He relieved her of her gown and looked at her naked, slender body as she lay on the bed. Tears were running down her face, but he paid them no mind as he prepared to have his way with her. He dropped his pants and began to degrade her. Mati went down on her and performed oral sex on her as she lay there, not responding to him at all. Her legs shook, not in pleasure, but in fear as he ate her out sloppily. Tears ran down her face, and she had no choice but to submit to Mati. Zaire's heart raced as he waited patiently for Mecca to return. He had been blowing his phone up, trying to let him know that Breeze was alive and somewhere in Haiti. Zaire looked at Carter, who was coming down the stairs while talking on a cell phone. Carter was scheduling a helicopter to drop them off in Haiti. Zaire had never come clean about everything that happened on the night that Breeze was kidnapped. Carter and Mecca knew that he was the last one with Breeze that night. But what Zaire didn't tell them was that he was in the process of taking Breeze's virginity. Their sexual act had caused his distraction, and his sloppiness had led to her being taken. How would he take it? Zaire asked himself as he buried his face in his hands. He quickly shook off the feeling of overwhelming guilt and focused on the positive. Breeze was alive.
Did you get in touch with Mecca? Carter asked. He flipped down his phone and grabbed a phone book. I thought he had a fucking iPhone. Why is he flipping his phone? Why has he got a flip phone? Is this a burner? I can't reach him. I've been trying to call him all morning, but he's not answering his phone, Zaire said as he stood and began to pace the floor. He picked up the phone and tried to reach Mecca once again, but he just got the voicemail like before. Damn. We're just going to have to go without him, Zaire said as he pulled his gun out, ready to kill whatever and whoever to get Breeze back. Carter ran his finger down the phone book's page, searching for a home health aide. He didn't want to leave Mia Moore there without help. Ooh, they're going to leave and Mecca's going to be there alone with Mia Moore. He wanted her to see a friendly face as she awoke from her coma, rather than one of his goons that he had guarding her room. He glanced over his Zaire, who was pacing the floor, looking nervous and anxious. Carter stopped what he was doing and walked over to him. He put his hand on Zaire's shoulder and stopped him in his tracks. You gotta calm down. I want you to relax and take a step back. We don't know what we're about to walk into when we get to Haiti, so we have to be ready for whatever. But we will most definitely be at a disadvantage if you're all riled up. Fall back, fam. Carter said as he watched Zaire letting his emotions get the best of him. You really cared for her, huh? Carter asked. He looked at Zaire and saw the flame in his eyes. Yeah, we were getting close, you know. This shit ain't for her, man. I'm ready to go get her, Zaire said seriously, looking his mentor in the eyes. Before Carter could respond, the door opened and in came Mecca. Yo, Mecca, we got her. We know where she's at, Carter said. Mecca smiled as his trigger finger began to itch. He would deal with Mia more when he got back. Oh, okay. Now it was time for him to get his sister back. Let's go get my baby sister, he said in a low raspy tone as he pulled out his gun and cocked it back. He felt his heart flutter at the sound of Carter's words. She was the only remaining full-blooded sibling he had left, and he was determined to bring her back home where she belonged. Carter... Zaire and Mecca rode in the aircraft that flew 1,500 feet above land, all of them wearing headphones to drown out the overwhelming loud noise of the helicopter propeller. Carter rented a private helicopter to make this trip to Haiti in the hope of finding Breeze. Everyone remained silent as they watched the pilot maneuver the aircraft over the ocean. The light blue water underneath seemed so beautiful, but none of them had beautiful thoughts in their minds, only murderous ones. The helicopter finally cleared the water, and the beautiful island of Haiti was now visible. The tall exotic trees and dirt trails took up most of the land, and the pilot spotted a safe landing spot in the middle of the town of St. Mark's, a city in the middle of the island. It was also the same place the breeze was treated. With their connections, they found the exact location where the call was from. They were all anxious as the helicopter swayed back and forth as it prepared to land. As the helicopter hovered over the open field, the grass blew wildly because of the velocity of the chopper's propellers. Carter cocked his gun back, making sure he was locked and loaded. He didn't know if they were walking into a trap, so he was getting himself prepared for whatever. Zaire and Mecca followed suit and did the same thing. Once the helicopter landed, they all hopped out, and Carter instructed the pilot to wait there for him to return, and left him with a rubber band roll full of money. $10,000 to be exact. Zaire grabbed the duffel bag that was full of extra ammunition and automatic guns, 
preparing for whatever Mati would have in store for him. The hot, muggy climate in Haiti's air felt different from Miami's air as the sweat began to drip from their brows. They made their way to the dirt roads that led towards the buildings that were just a mile down. Carter spotted a tall building that resembled a small, run-down hospital and pointed. Is that the place over there? He asked Zaire, and he used his other hand to block the sun from his eyes. I think so. The nurse said there's only one doctor's office in the entire town, Zaire said as he looked towards the building and pulling out a small piece of paper. Just as they were making their way to the building, a young boy ran across the road while kicking a soccer ball. Ayo, little man, Carter yelled, trying to get the young boy's attention. The boy didn't seem any older than 10 years old. He was very skinny and had nappy small beads on his head that was his hair. He stopped kicking the ball and looked at Carter. Me? He asked as he looked around and pointed at himself. Yeah, you, Carter said as he unleashed a smile. The boy, without fear, picked up his ball and walked towards him. What up, man? The boy asked in his heavy Haitian accent. You want to make some money, baby boy? Carter asked as he reached into his pocket. The young boy's eyes followed Carter's hands. Carter pulled out a roll of money, and the young boy's eyes grew as large as golf balls. He had never seen a man carry so much money in his entire life. Wealth was not something common in Haiti, and the boy was astonished. Wow, he said as he snatched the money from Carter. Yeah, man, I want to make this money. His eyes were glued on the big face bills that were in his hands. Okay, well, I need your help, Carter said as he placed his hand on the boy's shoulder. Anything, man. You just name it, he said energetically. I need you to take me to, Carter started to say just before he looked at Zaire for the name of the hospital. Honda's Hospital, Zaire said, reading the piece of paper that he had pulled from his pocket. Honda's is down the road, he said as he pointed north, in the opposite direction from where they thought the hospital was. Show us, Carter said as they followed the boy's finger. What's your name, little man? Carter asked. Ziggy, he said with his rabbit-like two front teeth. All right, Ziggy, we following you, Carter said as he urged Mecca and Zaire to follow him. Mecca frowned up his face and pulled Carter close as he began to whisper. How we know this little nigga ain't taking us into a trap, he asked as he kept his eyes open. You don't trust anybody, do you? Carter asked, smiling. Let's just follow him. How else are we going to find our way around, Carter said, giving Mac a reason to see things his way. Aye, Carter, but if this little nigga on any bullshit, I won't hesitate to blow his shit back, Mecca said as he patted the gun that was on his waist. Carter shook his head and continued to follow the young boy up the path. That nigga don't have a conscience, Carter thought. I'm glad he's on my team rather than against me. After about 15 minutes of walking... They reached a small hospital. It was a rundown building that resembled a plantation-style house more than an actual hospital. Here it goes, Ziggy said, pointing at the front door. Let's go, Carter said as he hurried into the building, looking for the nurse that called them. He told Ziggy to wait for them outside and whistle if anyone came in. He slipped him another hundred dollars for good measure. Ziggy proudly accepted the responsibility as a watchman and smiled proudly as he stuck out his chest and answered, Yes, sir! 
Carter, Zaire, and Mecca rushed to the hospital, all of them with gun in hand. Mecca called the doctor's name loudly, and his voice echoed throughout the halls. Where's the nurse that called us? He yelled as loud and clear as he could. Nurses and patients gasped at the sight of the men mobbing through the place like they owned it. A woman emerged from one of the rooms, and Mecca immediately knew that she was the person that they were looking for. May I help you? She asked, frowning confusion. Are you the nurse they called? Mecca asked as he gripped his pistol and pointed it directly at her. Carter quickly placed his hand on Mecca's gun and lowered it for him. Are you the nurse they called? That's what you're asking her? Is she the nurse they called who? A restaurant? The radio station? Her cousin? Yeah, how's she supposed to know it's you? Yes, I'm Azor, she answered with fear all over her face and shaking limbs. Relax, Carter said under his breath as he knew Mecca was at his boiling point, ready to shoot whomever. Hulk smash! Let me handle this, he said, just before he focused his attention on the doctor. Azor? Carter asked the lady as he stared at her with kind eyes. Yes, that's me. Let's talk in here, Azor said, and she opened up an empty room. They all followed her in, and the doctor closed the door after she looked around to make sure that the coast was clear. You called my man right here and said that a young lady was in this place, right? Carter asked as he placed his hand on her shoulder to calm her. She was noticeably shaken up. Yes, I did, she said. Is this the young lady you saw? Carter asked, wanting to make sure that it was Breeze. He pulled a picture out of his pocket of Breeze. It was one of her senior pictures that she had taken years before. The doctor stared at the picture for a minute and then nodded her head to verify that it was her. Where is she? Mecca interrupted as he quickly grabbed the nurse by her hair and put the gun to her temple. The nurse instantly put her hands up and began to cry out in pure fear. Nurse? The fuck? Doctor, right? Dr. Azor? Not nurse? <sighs> Typos, I tell you. What the fuck are you doing? Zaire asked in confusion as he saw the murderous look in Mecca's eye. Fall back, Mecca, Carter yelled as he put his hand up to signal Mecca to stop. No, fuck that. My sister's alive and this bitch is going to take me to her, Mecca screamed as the veins in his neck and forehead began to slightly bulge out. This nigga does this literally every time. You about to ruin somebody else. You about to ruin your chances. Again, like everything that's happened with family members has been his fault. And it's the way that they wrote him. Like, fuck. Just have some sort of just composure nigga like damn the doctor's words got caught in her throat as she tried to give mecca the best answer she knew she is with mati that's all i know mati is a very powerful man in this town and all that i know is that he lives somewhere in the black mountains you have to go up the mountain and through the jungle to get to his place she said quickly where's that at carter asked as he listened closely while mecca still had a tight grip on her it's five miles down the road and up the mountain. It's barricaded, so no cars can get through. You'll have to hike the trail and climb the mountain to get there, she said as tears streamed down her face. Her hands shook nervously, and she flinched at every little movement that Mecca made. Carter heard enough and headed out. Come on, Mecca, he said as he opened the door. If you're lying, I'll come back, and I'm going to kill you and your whole family. 
Mecca said, meaning every word that came out of his mouth. He unleashed the doctor and headed outside. Carter rushed outside and went directly to Ziggy, who was waiting for him on the steps of the hospital. Ziggy, I need you, little man, Carter said. Anything. What you want? He asked. Do you know how to get to the Black Mountains? He said. You mean Matisse's place? Ziggy asked as he scratched his head. His statement was music to their ears. They knew that they were about to find Breeze and bring her home at that point. Zaire was beaming on the inside. He knew that it was a chance to reunite with the woman he loved, Breeze. Yeah, you know where it's at? Zaire asked. I know exactly how to get there, Ziggy said as he headed north towards the Black Mountains. Well, ain't that a coincidence? The one kid that they happen to find in the entire city, the entire country. First of all, they happen to land in the exact spot. They said that they knew the exact place the, ho- the, hosp- the call came from, the exact place the hospital was, but they were pointing the wrong direction until they just happened upon one kid who not only knew where the hospital was, but knew exactly where Matisse's place was in the Black Mountains. Ain't that just special? 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Patreon.com slash Single Simulcast, BuyMeACoffee.com slash SSCast. Uh, thank y'all so much for listening. I'll holler at y'all later. Y'all be good. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.